there could be uh, is two parts. In fact, I think it has to be more than one to even be a series, right? So that seems like kind of the minimum. But uh, we talked about, uh, beginning last week, about uh, how Jesus wants to be close to us. Jesus wants a personal relationship with us. And I don't know if that's news to you, or I don't know if that sounds weird to you or not. Uh, we're going to try to finish up during the second part and make it very practical and down to earth. And hopefully you'll leave with some ideas about how you can be close to Jesus or be closer to Jesus than you are, as it were. But last week's lesson was really important. And so I just want to mention, we looked at Revelation 3, story of a church in Laodicea. Jesus wrote a letter to them. And they weren't doing well spiritually. And it was very disappointing. They were Christians for many years, and yet they weren't doing well. But the, uh, the thing that I wanted us to see last week is that in spite of everything, in spite of these people having already made their decision to follow Jesus, but they weren't doing well now, and they were uh, serious issues that needed to change, and Jesus was appropriately concerned about them and even frustrated with them and upset with them, and He wanted so much more for His relationship with them than He was getting. But even then, it says that He was still there. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And uh, he says, I just want you, I, I haven't run away, I haven't stopped believing in you, I haven't given up on you, uh, I still want to be close, and I just want you to let me in. I'm standing at the door of your house, I'm standing at the door of your heart, and I just want you to let me in so that we can have this relationship in spite of everything that's gone on. He still wants to be close to us. You know, it really makes sense. I think um, we think about those of us who are parents, and many of us are. I know the rest of you perhaps uh, are still looking forward to that. What do we really want from our children? What do we really want with our children? Now, if you're a young parent, and you know, Marlon, Saida, I'm going to put you in that category, all right? Uh, how old is Phoenix? Phoenix is four and a half. And uh, how old is Xavier? One and a half. So pray for Marlon Saida. Um, but when your children are that young, perhaps you're not so focused on personal connection with them. Do you, can you remember what that's like, some of us that have older children? Perhaps at that point in time, uh, what was it somebody said last week I heard, you're just trying to make it till tomorrow. <laughs> You're trying to get the food on the table, you're trying to get them up, you're trying to get them changed, you're trying to get them dressed, you're trying to get them to act somewhat normal. You know, you're just, you know, you're hanging on. And you're trying, but as they get older, and certainly as they get to the, the age of the young people here that are in the front, and even older, you know, they start to figure out they, they can meet their own needs. Praise God. Fix your own peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay? We don't have to get up and fix your lunch every day before school. You're not helpless. It's time to grow up. Have a birthday. So, as they get older and they get more independent, they're able to do things more of their own, 
you start to understand, and even as they get nearer to leaving the home and then going away to college or maybe wherever or leaving and going off and starting their adult life, what you want as a parent more than anything is a personal connection with them. Uh, I have three grown children. As I describe them, if you're here Wednesday night, they are adultish. Um, and uh, I don't mean to, uh, to, to denigrate them in any way. They're, the good thing is they're, uh, they're all grown. They're out of the home. They are financially independent. Praise God. Uh, they are, yeah, Brandon, yeah, I don't... Do you have children? No, but you're happy for me, aren't you? Okay. Uh, so they're out of the home, and they are functioning on their own, and they really, in uh, many ways, they're, they're, they're meeting the needs of their own life and such. But what do I want? What do Mary Kay and I want more than anything? It's not because they need us for anything in particular. We want to be connected with them. We want to have a close personal relationship with them. As a group, we do, but you know, like today after church, we're going over to uh, my oldest son, uh, my daughter-in-law's having her uh, birthday celebration, so we all get together for birthdays and such, and that's good. But I want to get together with them individually, too. Uh, For instance, Robbie, my oldest, we typically meet every other Wednesday afternoon after he gets off work. Uh, We meet at a Starbucks, of course, because that's what you need in the afternoon uh, after you get off work. Um, But we get together. Why? Because we just want to share our lives. We want to connect. Uh, My my second son, Joseph, uh, if you were here Wednesday night, he's the unlicensed marriage and family therapist. If you weren't here Wednesday night, you won't know what I'm talking about. Uh, As he said, uh, not much knowledge, but a lot of opinions. Um, Anyway, Joseph uh, lives a way out, but we get together on a regular basis. Just last Sunday night, uh, we went to a Kings game together. And uh, so we had dinner beforehand. And, you know, why do we do that? we're, We're just connecting. We're sharing something. We're talking about our lives. My youngest son, David. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, we had lunch. We get together regularly, just me and him, and we met together over here at the, uh, the Del Mar station uh, there in, uh, in, in Old Town, Pasadena, if you know where that is. Um, I don't know who came up with the idea of putting a restaurant right by a, uh, uh, the metro station, but that was a brilliant idea. Uh, it's a great little restaurant there. Um, can't remember the name of it right now. The Orangery or La Grande Orange? Orange? La Grande Orange. Anyway, I apologize if you're visiting here, but you should get used to it because it's like this every Sunday. Um, anyway, why? We want to we have a connection. And you know, And I I believe that that is only going to continue to get more. And I'm fortunate because all three of my kids live in the area now, and there may come a day, and we're all living in separate parts of the country or the globe. And, you know, and then I'm sure we're going to try to connect, Skype, telephone, visit when we can, you know, because we want to be be close. Uh, Nothing lights up my heart, and I speak for Mary Kay as well, is 
is when even my kids as adults, they go, Dad, I'd like to, can we talk about something? Uh, let me tell you what's going on in my life. Uh, I'd like to get some advice from you. Just so you guys here in the know, these words, like that simple little question, I have a situation in my life, I'd like to get some advice. That is like gold to your parents. I'm telling you, if you'll just ask that question every once in a while and, and try to be sincere when you ask it. You know, I'm not, I'm not even, I don't even know, I wouldn't even want to think about what you could get away with at home. Uh, I'm just saying we... The idea that my children, even though they are capable adult citizens, would still need me and want me and want a connection with me is so rich and so meaningful. And if you're not there yet, parents, you're going to be. You know, and I know it's tough. Let's just be honest here, okay? This is Lifeway Church, real life, God's way. It's tough with teens. It's tough with teens because... It's, it's really difficult to have that connection through the teenage years, and some of you have done it, and that's good. Uh, I'm not sure I succeeded with any of my three children while they were teenagers. Uh, was it because I wasn't trying? <laughs> but I will say that um, whether it was me or them or a combination of both, uh, it got a lot better as they got older, okay? And so, you know, I'm just glad there were other people around to help them with their connections during their teenage years. But anyway, this is what we want. Look over in uh, Psalm 42. I want to read here, uh, this will be a little bit different sermon for me in that uh, for one thing we're going to look at more than one scripture in the Bible. And if you've been here much, you know, well that's really shocking. Uh, we just look at one, but we're going to look at two today. And we're going to talk about this, this idea because perhaps in the same way that we want with our children to have this close personal connection, and in many ways it's more important than anything. It doesn't matter so much if my kids are successful or financially independent or, you know, have all these great things going on in their life. If we don't have a connection, I'm, I'm going to be hurting about that because that's what I want as much as anything. It says here in relation to God and us, Psalm 42, verse 1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Is it possible... That what God wants more than anything with any of us is this personal connection. Is it possible that the reason He sent Jesus was to give us a way not just to be saved, not just to have our sins forgiven, but that His Spirit could live in us and that He could have a personal connection with us that was not otherwise possible. Is it possible that this is why we were created? Have you ever wondered why you were here? And why you were created? And why you're, you know, I mean, why is there a world? Why are there people in it? Was God just bored one day? And He said, I think I'll create some people. 
Or was this the whole purpose that we were created? Because God, in the same way that parents are with their children, He wanted a special relationship that we could have with Him and a mutual relationship that would start now and continue on through eternity. Is it possible that this, that God created this in our heart as the deepest desire of our hearts is that we have a personal relationship with Him. And that even if you don't know it, what your soul desires more than anything is to be close to God. And whether you know it or not, what's going to fulfill you, and not like nothing else in your life will do, is a personal connection with God. That's what the psalmist here is saying. My soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. Even if you don't know it, that's what you need. That's what he's saying. I think God made us that way. So sad that many times, of course, we've seen it in ourselves and we've seen it maybe in the world that we live in and people we love. This void, this vacuum, this aching of the soul, this emptiness, we try to fill it with other things. You know, we have appetites and we have accomplishments and we want approval and we want to be amu you know, our amusements and our recreational and we try to fill it in so many ways and we keep being frustrated and we never really fulfill because the only, we've been created so the only thing that's really going to work, really going to fill us up is this personal connection. With God. You know, um, my wife is uh, very healthy. Now, if you've been here before, you're not surprised by that. My wife, Mary Kay, in fact, at the end of our lesson here, uh, she's going to be able to come up and share a little bit about her personal relationship with God. But she's trying to help me uh, with our health. As I've said, uh, she's trying to help me eat the right things. And uh, this is not a new uh, project of hers. Uh, this has been going on for a while. And um, she's helped a lot of people, and she's trying to help me. So the thing that she came up with uh, just the last couple of weeks is, she says, Reese, when you go out to eat, because that's what she's really worried, <laughs> right? Because if I only ate the food that she served me at home, I would be the healthiest man in America. So when you go out to eat, she says, Reese, what you need to do, you need to listen to your body when you choose what you're going to eat. And uh, yeah, don't listen to your friends like Rob, Rob and Bob and Marty and Peter and Kevin. They're bad people. Um, no, listen to your body. And, you know, i got to admit, you know, that I'm, I'm trying to understand that. My first response is, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. I, you know, I pretty think that's what I'm doing now is <laughs> listening to my body. 
And she said, no, 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 you just got to gotta train yourself to distinguish. So we had a practical application of it just on Friday night. We went to dinner. Uh, we, we do a lot of, uh, almost every Friday night if we can, we have a dinner date together. Uh, we pretend that we're single and we're, uh, and we're out on a date. And so we, we are, uh, you know, working on our, continue to develop our marriage and our connection. So we just, two of us go out on Friday nights. And we only go to healthy restaurants, of course, uh, because she's with me. Uh, so, so we go to Whole Foods there on Arroyo Parkway in Pasadena, and upstairs they have a little restaurant up there, and it's kind of cool. And you know, Whole Foods is well known for serving healthy, healthy food, uh, good food though. So we go there, and we had a wonderful meal, and, and we're walking out. And I don't know why the people at Whole Foods did this, but if you're ever up there, you'll notice it. As you walk out of the area, the eating area, where you buy food and such, right as you're getting ready to go on this escalator to go down, there's a huge bin of cookies. All different kind of cookies. And there's a top on there, but it looks like you could just open them and reach out and grab some. I'm pretty sure you're supposed to pay for them. Um, so, and we walk by, and I go, we walk by, and I go, Mary Kay, I am listening to my body. And I'm thinking that we need to get a cookie. I don't know if this surprised you or not. She was not convinced that was my body. And so she did tell me something that was very important. She said, when you left the restaurant and you had enjoyed that fine meal, were you satisfied? And I go, yes. Did you feel like you needed more? And I go, do I have to answer that question? Uh, no, I didn't. See? And she goes, see, you only wanted the cookie because you saw it. Listen to your body. I said, well, that's all we need to talk about for tonight. So anyway, I'm trying to learn. I wonder if we could learn to listen to our, our spiritual body, our soul, and identify what is our soul really thirsty for. And this is one of the most important things I learned. When I first came to this church, and I was in college, and that was a while ago, and I had gone to church all my life, and I believed in Jesus for as long as I remember, and I believed the Bible is the Word of God for as long as I remember, but whatever, in the church that I went to, there was no concept that I ever heard talked about publicly, privately, in a, of a relationship with God. And one of the things, the whole concept was something that was introduced to me when I came to this church. And what I came to find out is not only is, is it important, it's a great blessing, and it's, a, it's, a, it's something that I need, a connection with God. And so here we are and we're talking about it. The first practical I want to give you, and I'm just going to do this, uh, this last part fairly quickly. I, I wish I could... There's so many practicals, of course, and I could do many, many lessons on this, but I'm going to just give you a few things here that will either be reminders or new things for you to learn. First of all, if you want to learn how to have a close relationship with God, read the Psalms. Okay, I just read Psalm 42. 
don't know if you've ever read, the Psalms are unique in the literature of the Bible. Of course, it's in the Old Testament, so sometimes as Christians we focus on the New Testament, and I understand that. But the Psalms are unique. The Psalms really are spiritual journals. Journals. They're people who, you know, writing their own letters to God. They're sharing their own personal experiences. And really, I don't. How would we know how to talk to God, except for the Psalms? Uh, they provide us a wonderful opportunity. I don't know if you know this, but the Psalms is by far the largest book in the Bible. Do you know it's one and a half times the second largest book in the Bible? Do you know what the second largest book in the Bible is? Any guesses? Isaiah. But Psalms is one and a half times as large. Psalms... The size of Psalms is equal to half of the whole New Testament. Psalms are quoted more than any other part of the Old Testament by the New Testament writers. So, I think this is a rich resource. Because by reading these letters and these this, this uh, other people's efforts to communicate and be close to God... I think we can learn so much. So that's your first practical. Look over in Luke chapter 22. I'll give you a few more practicals here. Luke chapter 22. We're actually going to go back to the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to read Luke's account. And Saida and her sharing, fantastic job, Saida. I want to say that publicly. Again, I thought, you know, I love this about... This church, real life, God's way. Uh, I love that when people get up and share what's really going on in their life, what they're really thinking and how they dealt with it and how they struggle with it. And um, Wonderful. But she referred to the garden. The situation here, Luke chapter 22, is, if you don't know, it's been the plan from eternity, from the all eternity, that after... God created the world and this universe and populated it with people, that Jesus would come and that He would die on the cross to pay the price for our sins and be raised from the dead. So can you imagine the buildup of the thousands upon thousands, infinitely, infinite number of years that have passed, and now here's Jesus and He's come to earth and it's the night before He's going to be crucified. And because Jesus is fully human, He's struggling with that as much as any of us would be. The experience that He is going to be executed in the next day, not for anything He has done, but for us. And so Jesus goes to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane, on the Mount of Olives. Let's just read the story and talk about a few practical things here. Verse 20, uh, chapter 22, verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, 
Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And we end there. We know from the other accounts, Matthew and Mark also have fuller accounts, that Jesus was there basically the whole night praying to God. And we know that at the end of this prayer, even though He didn't get the answer that He wanted, He still needed to go to the cross. It was the will of God, no matter how personally painful it was. The prayer was answered. Because as Jesus struggled to, to embrace the will of God, it says the angels came and He was spiritually strengthened. And you know what happened? He got up off His knees and He went to the cross. Let me tell you a few practicals here I think we can learn from. We can learn from Jesus' example here in the Garden of Gethsemane. Three things more that I would mention that are required to have a close personal relationship with God and with anybody. The first of all is time. You ever try to have a close personal relationship with somebody and they just don't seem to have time for you? And you get tired of them saying they don't have time and saying next week and then next week comes and they set up at a time with you and then they cancel that appointment. Right? You know the kind of thing I'm talking about? It's painful. I can't tell you how much time. You're going to have to fill in the blanks there. But I can say if you're going to be close to God, if you're going to be close to the Lord, you're going to need time together. Unstructured time. Unrushed time. You ever try to get somebody, get somebody and they're just like, you feel like you're, they're just trying to cram you in to a little bitty space. And you know, part of you just feel like, well, if you don't have any more time for me than this, then why, why even bother? Right? You know, Jesus had a lot going on, and it wasn't even a convenient time, and I'm sure it wasn't His normal time to go off and pray and be with God, but He spent the whole night praying. That wasn't the only time. We need uninterrupted time. You know what that means? You get to go off by yourself. And you know what you have to leave behind? Your laptop, your tablets, your phone, especially your iPhone. Right? Because I can tell you, when I go out on my Friday night dates with Mary Kay, and we're having dinner and I pull out my phone. I get, yeah, I get a look you will not believe. And I go, put that phone back in my pocket. 
Next time I'll leave it in the car. Because when we're together, she wants uninterrupted time. And I can understand that. We need time to be close to God. Time to pray. Time to read the Bible. And we need to read the Bible. We don't need to just pray. Because we, you know, that's a one-sided relationship, right? Some of us like to pray a lot because we like to do all the talking. But in any good relationship, there needs to be at least as much time listening as you spend talking. Now write that down if you didn't know that. You ever try to get with somebody and have a relationship and you, you know, you're just frustrated. You can hardly get a word in. That's why we need to read the Bible because we need to take time to listen to what God has to say. And learn about God and learn about what He wants. Time to meditate. We just need time. I, I, I'm not going to give you a formula on how to do that. I would just say that you've got to figure that out. You're going to need time if you're going to be close to God. And you're going to have to take some time away from something else that you might otherwise be doing that is less important. The second thing is, there's time. The second thing I mentioned now is truth. What that means is the buzzwords that we use today is we need to be transparent. We need to be authentic. Have you heard that? We need to be real. We need to be honest about what's going on. And if you read in the Psalms, you don't have to read very far to figure out these people were really honest with God. You know, sometimes they were like, David sometimes wrote the Psalms. He's like, God, could you just kill my enemies, please? You know, I mean, forget about loving them or forgiving them. Could you just wipe them out? Now, that wasn't the right attitude, but it was real. What's Jesus doing in the garden? Jesus is not surprised by the fact He has to go to the cross. It's not surprised by the will of God. It's been the plan of God for all eternity. And yet here He is, and He's begging God. He's pleading with God. He's saying, can you please fix this? Can you please find another way so I don't have to do it? He is being... As real and honest as real could be. And you know how it is. You ever try to be close to somebody and either you know they're not being real with you or you feel it. There's something going on here. My wife is really good at this. See, that's the problem when you've been married a while. Your wife figures you out. And so she could tell. Guys, can we all nod? She could tell when there's something going on and I'm feeling something and I'm not talking about it. Some ways that's what Friday nights are for. (laughs) Reese needs to talk. Mary Kay wants to know. She wants to hear because she loves me. She wants to connect like that. We need to be honest with God about how we feel, about our struggles, about sin. And sometimes we're talking to God, we're so superficial. God, you know, I'm really, I'm really frustrated. No, you're angry. God, I'm really struggling with forgiving. No, I'm bitter and I want my enemies to die. 
God, I'm really tempted to lust. No, really consumed with lust. Can we just be honest with God? It's not like He doesn't know. Have you figured that out? He's not shocked either. You're real with God and you tell Him what's going on even if it's sin. He never, he never goes, really? Really? I wish you hadn't told me that. Because now you're in more trouble than ever now. It's not the way it works. He already knows. We need to pray. Let me just put it this way. We, we need to pray some R-rated prayers. Thank you. Thank you, Carly. The return of Carly. There she is. I love it. I love it. Me and you, girl. No, we, we need to be... I mean, read the Psalms. Here you got Jesus. You know, and God wanted us to know, evidently, that Jesus tried to back out of the plan on the night before. Right? It's pretty intense. And the last one is trust. You know, uh, any great relationship, there has to be trust. And this is the thing, you know, I was thinking about this while Saida was sharing. I was thinking about this when I look at Jesus. I think about when I look at my own life. There's so many times when I'm in pain and it's difficult. And I don't know why God is allowing me to, this to go on in my life. And why doesn't He fix this? And, you know, and all that. And what it comes down to, I can, have a, I can only have a great relationship with anybody when I trust that they have my best interest at heart. And that's what the Garden of Gethsemane shows me. That even when I don't understand, and even when it don't make sense to me, and even when it's a great personal pain for me, God, in a global sense, in His wisdom, has a better plan than I've got. And you know, let's lift up Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, try to imagine yourself there. Horrible moment, right? Jesus says, I want to back out of this. I want another, I want to, can we go to plan B? I got a few suggestions for you. God said no to Jesus so that he could say yes to us. There's something greater than the pain that Jesus was experiencing. God said no to Jesus. And Jesus said no to himself. So that we could all get the big yes. Eternal life, salvation, the Holy Spirit, purpose for our life, and a soul that could experience a fulfilling and a personal relationship with God that we never could have had otherwise. Time, truth, and trust. Sometimes it's hard in the moment to trust God. I understand that. Let's look, let's look at the world as a whole. Let's look back at the Bible and all the times when people, men and women of God, had to trust Him. And it seemed awful, and yet they did. And we see how it turned out. Look back at the times in your own life. We didn't understand what was going on. It was painful, and you trusted God. 
And He worked. And that helps me when I'm in the moment and it seems so difficult that I trust God. And then I can be close to God. Because you can't be close to somebody if you don't trust them. And we need to trust God no matter what the circumstances in order to be close to God. Mary Kay is going to come up and share a moment uh, about her personal relationship. Come on up, Mary Kay. Her personal relationship with God. My wife, Mary Kay, the, the, the healthy one. Um, and so I think I want to say this as I have heard her, her share. Mary Kay inspires me. I, I picked her out. Uh, of course, I did that a long time ago, actually. Uh, and I'm still excited about my decision. But um, no, I, I wanted to share today because this is such, she inspires me with her relationship with God. To give you a little bit of history, when we first got married, this was very confusing to her. And she just been, you know, we were both fairly young Christians. And she would see me go off and talk about God and have this time with God. And she would frank, frankly say, I don't know what you're doing. And teach me how to do this. And I don't understand what this means. And I don't understand why you feel the way you do. And, um, and so, you know, we've had a lot of talks about that. But mostly through the years... She's worked out and is growing and working in her own relationship with God in a way that inspires me. I see her studying her Bible. I see her going on her prayer walks. And I let her share her own experience. But I'm really proud of the way she's growing in her personal relationship with God in spite of her own struggles to, uh, to see that happen. So, uh, Mary Kay. Thank you. Okay, Reese. From now on, you can only pick one illustration not four. When you're talking about me up here, okay. Go with your best one. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I want to share a little bit. And when Reese asked me to do this, I'm like, did he ask me because everyone else said no? I mean, because sometimes people out here say no to Reese. No, I, I don't want to share in front of the church. You know who you are, yes. And um, so anyway, it's fine. I... Um, wanted to talk just a briefly about my progression here. And when I became a Christian in college, I remember the most intimidating thing to me in being a Christian was prayer. I know. Um, part of it was because I had recited prayers all my life. I liked memorizing my recited prayers, and those were the only prayers I prayed. They were recited. In other words, I could write them out. I've got them memorized even now. I never forgot them. And so when we would when I was a young Christian and people would sit in a circle and pray, I tried to go first because if I went last, everything was taken. And there was nothing left to pray. I thought, yeah, how insensitive. They took everything, left me nothing. And so it was very challenging. I'd be shaking, like, thank you for the weather. <laughs> and so... That's kind of how it began for me. And then I tried to get the structure down. You know, at least I thought, okay, people pray for 10 minutes about what? Um, I can pray two minutes max. And I would just sit there and try to just force myself to think of things to pray for. I did not understand it. Um, the structure, I tried in the morning. I'm not a morning person. Uh, reading in the morning, now that was unbelievable to me that you would get up in the morning and start reading and retain what you were reading and then pray about what you were reading. This seemed really a heavy way to start my day. And it just was more work than my college classes. 
<laughs> um, and then, so, so I really worked hard on just trying to get some sort of structure, because I had none in this area. Just sort of, okay, I'm going to try to pray for five minutes, I'm going to try to read my Bible for five minutes, and we'll just go with that and see what happens. I just tried all these different things, trying to understand what it means to connect with God. Because I had never done that in the religion I was in before. Okay, I had a religion, but I wasn't connecting to God. So that was the whole world for me. Um, but I did appreciate Jesus. I have always appreciated Jesus since I became a Christian. So that was an easy connect for me. Anyone who would die for me like that, that was like, we're connected. But God, there's power in the sky. Um, prayer became for me then how to get God to say yes. I started realizing prayers where you make your requests. And I had so many requests. Things I wanted. Things I didn't like. Things I wanted to be different. People I wanted to become Christians. Different people I wanted to change. Different people I wanted to change. Different people that needed to change. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I started praying about all these things. And I got so many no's. it It actually just completely discouraged me. It's like, God is saying no to all of this. And yet I'm pouring my heart out to him. What in the world is he doing? I mean, he's not listening to my prayers. And then this person over here, God answered my prayer. I prayed for this. I'm like, where I'm at now. Okay, where I'm at now. Um, I decided several years ago to find a place that I really felt I could connect with God. Just a feeling. I went to Descanso Garden, 70 bucks a year. I can go there every single day. Costs nothing if you look at it in the long run, if you really use it. And I went there and I'd walk and I had to get away from people. I could not be near people. People to me scream out needs, connect, notice. People are, to me aren't something that I just go through life and do this with, okay? So I had to go where I'm not seeing a lot of people. I needed in a place where I could see God's creation. I needed a place that I could just feel God disconnect from every human being on the planet. I cannot feel close to God when I'm feeling like people, 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 okay? That doesn't work for me. And what I ended up doing was just walking and praying, but I started feeling a lot more. Towards God, I started feeling a lot more about my life. Getting the people out of it actually helped me. Getting out of my house, where there's every time I started praying, the phone would ring, the laundry screamed at me. Something. I'm looking at the floor, going, "Who's going to ever vacuum this floor?" You know, <laughs> every need. So I had to go find God, and I believe that I found Him in my way and my place. So I commune with God. Now, it doesn't have to be Descanso now. I can actually go outside and take a walk at dusk or early morning when there's not a lot of people and feel the same thing and and really feel like I'm calling out to God. And to me, it became a place where I struggle. And I wanted to share about that for a minute. Struggling is real. When I was a young Christian, struggling meant, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Um, God is not answering my prayer. People are, are awful. You know, these prayers as a young Christian. Uh, What I feel like now when I struggle is God knows exactly how I feel. I tell him, this is how I feel. Help my heart align with your will. I think Saida was talking about that. Prayer for me has become aligning my heart to God's will and not trying to change everything, but surviving in where I am. God has done that for me. He put an anchor. He puts an anchor in my soul during these times that would not be there and no Human in this room can put that there for me. No human in this world. And I just want to say to single women, if you think a husband puts that there in your life, it's God only who puts that anchor in your soul. Um, as far as Bible study, I'll just say I just read the Bible and with the attitude is I want to learn about God and learn about me. So, for instance, and I'll close on this thought, 
I was reading this week, uh, considering, consider it joy when you go through trials, because in your trials you learn perseverance. And you have to go through that. Perseverance must finish its work so that you can be spiritually mature. So I'm like, oh, so I'm never going to get rid of trials. I'm going to have to learn how to persevere. I don't think I'm very good at that. But I'm not going to be spiritually mature until I get good at that. Great, more trials. <laughs> but I learned about myself. And that's it. That, see that little bit that I just read? That's all I read. And then I write in my little keep calm and let it go book. <laughs> that's what I did. And I just write in there, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to me? How does this apply to me? And then I learned about God. That's how God thinks. Now, now I understand how God thinks. I understand how I feel about it. Not that great. Um, but yet, I'm connecting with God, so I'm going to learn to, through prayer, accept that. You see what I'm saying? This is what I've learned how to do. I do not believe I'm the best person in this room who should be up here talking. All right? I think there are people in here who have a very amazing relationship with God that's just has developed and in such a way could inspire so many people. I would just say that... Um, to me, it's a navigation of my life. It's a journey. And wherever you're at, I shared from the beginning to where I'm at now, it's all good. It's where you're at as long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other. It really doesn't really matter that I used to be a person who prayed for two minutes, didn't understand prayer, and felt completely like God doesn't ever say yes to me. But I stuck around, and here I am working on my relationship with God, and now I have view God in a different way in my prayer life and, and my relationship and through Bible study. So anyway, I do think that maybe in about five more years I'll share again. <laughs> and then I'll be at a different place. But um, I do feel like the connection with God is stronger in my life than it's ever been, but not what it needs to be. So anyway, thank you for listening. Fantastic, Mary Kay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let's, uh, let's pray together as we close out. God, uh, we are very excited that uh, you give us this chance to be close to you, that you're patient with us as we struggle and we continue on this journey. And uh, thank you. Help us to understand what our soul is thirsty for. Help us to understand that nothing's going to fill us up ultimately except uh, you and and a, and a relationship with you. And uh, help us all to help each other to experience that. Thank you, Jesus, for making it all possible. In Jesus' name, amen. If I could just meet with the band up on stage real quick. If I could meet with Glendale United.